Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Means that the number one pick in the 2021 NBA draft goes to the Detroit Pistons. Who's got the number one pick in this year's Detroit. draft? Who's got the number one pick in this year's draft? Basketball! Select Isaiah Stewart. The Detroit Pistons select Killian Hayes. Sadiq, that was absolutely sensational. I don't know what went into that process. I met the criteria to be selected, but I wasn't. From long range. Oh! Yes! Yes! Detroit Basketball! Pistons fans, welcome back to another edition of the Pistons Podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mike Angolano, and joining me, our two under-the-weather friends, Aaron Johnson and Jasper Apollonia. Fellas, I um, was a little disheartened to hear that you're both both feeling sick, but I'm glad you're able to find some time to uh, move away from the puke bucket and <laughs> join me for this edition of the podcast. How, how are you guys feeling? This is going to be my flu game. All right, this is – I'm, I'm going to come out. I'm still going to put up a bucket of a performance because I couldn't go a week without putting out an episode of this podcast and the chance goats do exactly. And the chances of getting us all three together uh, on a different day this week, we're going to be so slim. It's already hard enough to get us together on one day. So we're, we're going to battle it out. We're going to get this win. We're going to record this pod. Yeah. Aaron, if this is your flu game, this is my Scotty Pippen concussion game. And that by that, I mean, I'm going to be giving a terrible performance uh, I'm definitely going to probably tap out halfway through uh, because I'm a coward. And in about 20 years, I'm going to have a lot of beef with both of you. So I'm ready to get into things um, before, of course, I tap out like a coward. Uh, but luckily, we have <laughs> we, uh, no offense to Scotty Pippen, of course, uh, and his beautiful wife, Larsa. Um, yeah. Hey, I'm not feeling great. Uh, I, I did accidentally spend $155 on lunch yesterday. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that lunch made me sick. So lunch it was that a, up in Jasper. Yeah. So, okay. I'll, I'll get a little quick story time. So I'm in LA right now. My friend was like, Hey, we are $3 per person. Omakase. I'm like, Wow. What what a what a what a deal! What a steal, indeed. So I go out there. They start. We go. Yeah, we want the lunch special. Go, okay, great. Start giving us rolls. Giving us rolls. Some of these are nice rolls. They got uni in there. Uni's expensive. We get to about roll number eight, and we're like, okay, something's up here. So we get to the end of the meal. They give us the uh, the, the ticket, expecting it to be about I don't know fifty dollars after tax. It is two hundred and sixty four dollars pre tip. We lost our minds. We had no idea what to do. We had to suck it up. We had to pay for it. So here I am, big money baller. Hopefully, uh, our sponsors this week have decided to up our payment a little bit because, boy, oh, boy, I sure do need the money. (laughs) Sushi, raw fish. Who would have thunk that Mm -hmm. that would be the problem? If I'm putting bets on what causes food poisoning – Raw fish is near the top of the list. And thankfully, that's not a bet that you have to make with Bet Online. Bet Online has all of your news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, e- even golf. And it's the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports contests and events. NFL weekend starting really tomorrow for all of you listeners, probably today. Bet online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live and game betting, props, and futures. Head on over to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use promo code Believe50. That's B-L-E-A-V-50. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's B-L-E-A-V-50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Okay. Aaron, we don't have show notes. Uh, We're really just going off the cuff here. 
We're That's leaning fine. hard on you today, Mike. We're leaning yeah. hard on you. Mike, in the right. words, I mean, in the did, words, we did talk about it in the chat, though, so we we should be good. We did. That's that's true. Yeah. In, Go the, ahead, in the mortal words of Bill O'Reilly, we'll do it live. Okay. <laughs> we don't we don't need a teleprompter. We'll do it live. Nope. Don't need a teleprompter for this one. Let's <laughs> start with the actual Pistons news of the day, which is the reveal of a new set of jerseys. Thankfully. Obviously, the Pistons knew that we were going to be crunched for something to talk about. So they're like, all right, drop the jerseys. And they did. I have seen a lot of mixed mixed reviews on them, of course, because it's a jersey. Um, personally, I think they look fine, totally fine. I like them a lot better than the grays. I don't like them as much as the red. I think the red looks really neat. Um, clean. These also look clean. And seeing Sadiq Bey and Kate Cunningham in them makes them look fine. I'm sure they'll look fine on the court. Fellas, what did you think about the new jersey reveal? I believe these are the statement jerseys, correct? Yeah. Yeah, they're the statement jerseys. Uh, personally, I'm not the biggest fan of them. I mean, I don't really get all worked up about jerseys in general. Uh, the only jerseys that I like was hoping that the Pistons would be, bring back or introduce, reintroduce in this case, were the Teals. Um, these ones, you know, I, I'm not a major Jersey guy in general, but these don't do anything for me. Uh, I like the idea of a black Jersey. I think those can look sharp. I hate the, the two stripes, uh, across the middle of the Jersey. I just don't like the look of that. I think the numbering being off center is a little odd as well. Uh, the shorts look nice though, but I think that's because they look a lot more simple compared to the up the top of the jersey which yeah to me just it, it doesn't look the, the the best in my opinion um i'm not overly concerned about the jersey it doesn't i know it concerns a, a people a lot more than it does concern me i know that the pistons care a lot more about it because that's something that's gonna directly make them money uh but to me it doesn't really matter i'm just overall not a huge fan of the design and it goes in trend with the Pistons and generals struggle to put out good jerseys. The last two jerseys that people, at least the consensus have liked. And even there's not even a consensus on the teal because they're the old heads that, that hate the time frame that the jerseys represent. Um, but I feel like it's been generally well-received were the teals and then the reds of last season. Other than that, I think the Pistons have had a really tough time putting out jerseys. These ones are definitely better than the gray ones. The 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 bar to beat those was so so low. Uh but these are definitely not as good as the red jerseys uh, from the past season. So in in conclusion, doesn't really do anything for me. Didn't care too much about them in the first place. I just think it continues to show that the Pistons are struggling to put out new, fresh jersey designs. But that seems like a reoccurring theme across the NBA right now with this simplistic design theme that I feel like everybody hates. And when we see these teams, including the Pistons, bring back these throwback jerseys that were flashier, that have more to the design, had an alternate logo, different colors, different shaped text, like have so much more going on to them. We're seeing everyone loving those releases, loving them coming back. And I just think this one misses the mark because it, it, it's pretty simple. And it just, there's nothing that, that stands out to me about it. Yeah, that's like the biggest problem, I think, with it is every aspect of this jersey, and to be clear, they're fine. But every aspect of this jersey reminds me of something else that I've seen before. And I don't particularly care for that. The lettering reminds me of those Hawks alternates from a couple years ago. Uh, I think the Sixers also had ones with similar lettering, although I can't be entirely certain. Um, oh, the Minnesota Timberwolves, when they had those horrible neon striped jerseys, uh, they had a similar lettering as well to these. The design itself uh, kind of looks like a thin blue line flag to me. I don't know why. Maybe that's to offset the uh, the portion of the fan base that didn't like the teal era, give them something they like a little bit more. 
but yeah, I mean, look, it's better than the Grays. Um, I mean, I threw up something in the in the bathroom earlier today that looks better than those Grays jerseys. Definitely not as good as the Reds. Um, and I like you said, I believe these are the, the Big Sean ones, right? Like Big Sean put these together. Is that not is that correct? I no? believe that is correct. Yeah, they're the Big Sean ones. Okay, well, this is yay, yet another reason why they should have hired Czar uh, instead of Big Sean. But hey, here we are. Yeah, <laughs> they're fine. They're okay. Uh, I have nothing really against them. They're not a jersey I'm going to go out and buy. They're not a jersey I anticipate being around for very long because I just don't really see the appeal in them outside of gray and black, but... For me, yeah, I, I don't really feel all that inspired by them. I, there were some people on Twitter who were really excited by these by these jerseys. I mean, really excited, and even more so to see Sadiq Bay in them. But for me, doesn't really move the needle either <laughs> way. I think for me, I'm taking those reds every day. I'm definitely taking the teals over them as well. So, as far as as far as where I stand. I really wish they had done something a little bit more innovative. I wish they had tried something a little bit different, but that's kind of where the Pistons have been for the last 15 years in terms of their jerseys, in terms of their organization for the, for the most part. Um, and it's kind of a continuation of that. So I don't anticipate them being around for very long for the people that don't like them. Um, and for the people that do like them, enjoy. And uh, especially enjoy Sadiq Bey's arms and chest. Uh, and how they, you know, fit through that and really accentuate all the lines <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm I'm kind of with Aaron. I I just don't I don't care about jerseys that much, to be honest. I mean, it would be nice if the Encore product played and looked good at the same time, but I mean, it's it it's not the biggest deal in the world to me. I. I do think they look fine. They're not neon Minnesota Timberwolves shades of terrible. Um, I think the current Cavaliers load out of jerseys that they introduced in LeBron's last season here looked terrible. All the really jagged lines and weird color. I mean, it, it, it just, it just doesn't matter that much, but these do look fine. Um, the reds do look better personally. Um and that's and anything was better than the grays mm -hmm. didn't didn't some people like look and find like a like a racing stripe in the grays and that was like oh look they did something that kind of means something to detroit <laughs> motorsports and like that was the one thing that they did yeah okay I mean, all right if, if you're gonna do something like that just bring back the 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 zollner paint can man that's what Honestly, I'm not going to be happy with the Pistons jerseys until they bring back the original paint can man from the Fort Wayne Zollner uh, Pistons. I need that dude back on a jersey. It's kind of weird, though. I will say this. The NBA has always been one of those leagues that's at the forefront of youth, right? Like, that's always been their appeal, even since the 80s. Young people like the NBA. Young people are more attracted to the way that the game goes. They're attracted to the to the, the aesthetics of the NBA, both on and off the court. And it's interesting for me because Gen Z is such a maximalist kind of generation in terms of what the younger people are more into versus the minimalism. And you'd think that a league that has, generally speaking, their finger on the pulse would recognize that and start shifting into a more, I don't want to say busy design, but designs that have a little bit more going on something that's a little bit more of like the teal era pistons jerseys which i mean hey look at how much i mean that made national news when they brought back the teals that's how big of a deal it was and and how people kind of gravitate to that i even think of like the miami vice um jerseys that the heat had a few years ago and just how cool those looked so for me it's a little surprising to see the nba especially partnering up with somebody like big sean and, and the Pistons doing something that just is kind of kind of boring and has been done before. I, I have to say that for me is kind of the, the only part of it where I'm like surprised or disappointed because I do think the NBA is generally speaking, they're, they're at the forefront of this stuff. And I think when it comes to the jerseys right now, they're really not. So I do kind of wonder how that affects, I don't know, how younger people perceive 
the teams, how they're attracted to the NBA and, and things like that. Maybe it doesn't have a big factor. Uh, like you said, like we're not big Jersey guys, but there certainly are people who are. Um, and I think it's a little disappointing that the Pistons didn't put a little bit more into this than they did. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat, but you know, that have come out across the league this year as in, as far as a huge rebranding. You saw the Utah Jazz put out kind of summer league looking jerseys. The Cavs put out kind of summer league looking jerseys. I don't think that I get the feeling of summer league when I look at the new Pistons jerseys, though. No, but I certainly don't get a feeling of... It's at least a positive. I I don't get a feeling of this is Detroit. These these are the Pistons. There's nothing... No. There's nothing special about it. There's nothing really that that tells me, like, this is this team, this is this organization. Doesn't really do that for me. So uh, that's kind of how I feel about it. I don't really have much else to say about these jerseys. Um, For better or worse, I suppose. I mean, I guess if they were horrible, that would be another thing. But overall, they're just nothing special to me. Right. Okay. Well, we can move on to our second topic that we have, and that is some divisional news. And that would be the Cleveland Cavaliers acquiring shooting guard slash point guard, I guess, Donovan Mitchell from the Utah Jazz for Colin Sexton, Laurie Markinen, Oshag Baji, and essentially five unprotected first round picks. Mitchell signed to a three-year contract and Suddenly the Cavaliers have were already a fairly formidable young team. Now they've added an all-star, multi-time all-star backcourt running mate next to Darius Garland. And as a Cavs fan, obviously it's very exciting, but because this is a Pistons podcast, want to try to turn it back to the impact this might have on Detroit, who now has a very tough schedule, uh, inner division between Milwaukee and Chicago, who looked awfully good, you know, last year as well. Um, how is this going to impact the Pistons? Aaron, do you have any thoughts? Like initially, we'll we'll leave uh, the you know maybe the Cavaliers' impact out first because I certainly have had to put together a lot of thoughts on this. But with the Pistons being impacted by Cleveland getting Donovan Mitchell, any initial thoughts that you had? The the central division is has just gotten a lot more difficult for for Detroit, and you know they're at a point where there's three teams that are so clearly ahead of them right now in terms of competing that as much as people may believe in Detroit's foundation, this young core that they're putting together, uh, it just reinforces my thought that this is a team that yes things are going well for them in their rebuild but they still have a ways to go to catch up to these teams that are going to be competing the pistons might be a better team they should be a better team than they were last year but that might not fully translate into the win and loss columns because the rest of the league is better this is a league that the it is so much more competitive now than it was five years ago. There's so much more parity across the league. The Eastern Conference, just like the Western Conference, is going to be a bloodbath. And inner inner division, the Pistons really don't get nights off. I mean, Indiana still has a, a team that's going to be somewhat competitive between Tyrese Halliburton, Miles Turner, Benedict Mathurin was a top six pick. Like, they're not going to be good, but they're not just a, a, a walk-in-the-park type team. And this trade with Cleveland, on a much bigger scope in terms of the future impacts Detroit, because this really solidifies, to me, I think Cleveland's a team that they could they could have the best record in the Eastern Conference next year. Getting Donovan Mitchell for what they paid is massive. You're talking about a young, in his prime, multi-time All-Star joining a team that just made the playoffs, has two other All-Stars on their roster, has another young player who was a Rookie of the Year finalist, has 
very clear, very obvious all-star potential, has all-NBA defensive team potential. This is going to be a very, very scary team that Detroit is going to have to see for not just next year, but for the next five, ten years, with both of them having incredibly young rosters. I mean, Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Evan Mobley, Jarrett Allen is a very, very scary core. And if Cleveland's able to somehow add a, a, a bigger name forward, they still have Kevin Love. Like, they, they are going to be good. They added back Ricky Rubio. This is going to be a very good Cleveland team. They have Karis LeVert as well. And so for Detroit, you're saying the Eastern Conference just added another superstar. Our division just added another superstar. It is only going to get more difficult for us. Like, if the Cavs kind of remain pat and didn't go out and make that splash that they just did, they're a team that Detroit, I think, could have potentially caught up to. Uh, We talked about Detroit trying to take the jump this year, this upcoming year, that Cleveland took last year. And, you know, that type of leap, even now for Detroit, it, it, it just gets harder because the East has gotten so, so good. And the Cavs have set themselves up to be a team that is going to compete for the next three, four years while they have these guys locked up. And they're they're set to do it. These guys are so young. They're going to grow together. Just like we're talking about the Pistons building this core that's going to grow together. That's what Cleveland was doing. We saw it last year. We saw the jump that they made. They made the playoffs as a very young team, and they said, hey, we're going to go at a superstar-level player, a guy that's been a multi-time All-Star, has playoff experience, has big-time shot-making experience, perfectly, perfectly fits alongside our budding star point guard. I mean, this is such a massive move for Cleveland that it couldn't possibly not ricochet back on Detroit because it just creates another contender in the Eastern Conference that Detroit's going to have a very tough time catching up to, a very tough time competing with, not just this upcoming season, but for years to come, unless Detroit makes some major leaps and adds a player of the same caliber of Mitchell somewhat soon. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is something we've touched on the podcast many times over this summer, because one of the things people have talked about is, oh, look at the, the core Detroit's putting together. In a few years, they're going to be here. This is why in the NBA, you can't just say, well, we're here now, and in two years, we're going to be here because look at all the other teams. They're going to fall off this way. They're going to fall off that way. It doesn't work like that. The NBA changes so fast. I mean, Mike, I'm sure you would agree with this. The Cleveland Cavaliers were in a place going into this season before they made this trade where you go, okay, they're a really good team. They're probably going to get better. Uh, I don't know where they stand with Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. That's kind of a weird thing to bring him back after they didn't extend him. He didn't really have free agency offers. What's going on there? Hmm. That's a team that, you know, maybe Detroit can beat a few times this year. Well, now you're looking at it and you're saying there's, there's no way in hell. And, and even for next year and the year after that, because look, they have Donovan Mitchell, all, all those guys you just put out. They kept Alcoro. They kept Jared Allen. Obviously, they kept Evan Mobley. Uh, you're talking about, also with Darius Garland, you're now talking about three, four, five crucial parts of this team that are all under the age of 26. Today is Donovan Mitchell's birthday. He's 26 years old. 26. He's not going anywhere. Evan Mobley's not going anywhere. Jared Allen is not going anywhere. And these guys are just going to keep getting better. So... This is why you can't just be like, hey, we got all these draft picks. We got all this young talent. We're going to be good in a few years because there are other teams out there that are also have good young talent that are also able to continue adding to that talent without having to sacrifice crucial pieces. Yes, obviously losing draft picks is not going to help Cleveland build up their depth. But you know what? They have four star players right now. Obviously, that depends on, you know, how highly you rate Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, Darius Garland. But to me, they have four all-star level players. So I look at this division, especially this year, I have a hard time seeing in the 16 games that the Pistons play in this division, them winning more than four of them. 
that's going to be insanely difficult to overcome if you're trying to take that leap into making the play in. I mean, gosh, and are they even that much better than Indiana? Are they better than Indiana? I don't know. This is going to be a slog. It's going to be an absolute grinder, and it's going to continue to be a grinder moving forward, especially as Indiana starts to rebuild as well. So, yeah, I look at this trade. Uh, you know, day of, I thought that Utah got fleeced. I look at it now, I say, mm, I mean, I think they probably did the best they could given the situation, but I look at the Pistons division now, and that is just like, I see that being the hardest division in basketball for the next three years at minimum, at minimum, because none of those teams are going anywhere. Um, and boy, oh boy, it's, it's going to be really tough. The East is really really brutal this year you know you touched on something that we've kind of talked about in some of my other Cavs group chats for fear the sword uh and i think heading into the season before the donovan mitchell trade i am not entirely sure the Cavs got significantly better enough to where they were oh yeah They'll make the playoffs. I I don't know if I if I was there. And you know, Atlanta got to John um, Murray. The Nets, who looked like they were about to fall off of a cliff, keep Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. And the Cavs just added Raul Neto and Robin Lopez, and they reacquired Ricky Rubio. Yeah, I guess they re-signed Ricky Rubio. I I don't. Coming into this year, I thought, yeah, I mean, yeah, they'll be better. Evan Mobley will get better. Jared Allen will be a little better. Darius Garland was awesome. And having Colin Sexton back will be nice to take a little bit of pressure off of Garland in the backcourt. But I thought, I mean, that's a team that, you know, the Pistons could, if everything goes right for them, that's a team that makes life really annoying for other teams like the Cavs. You know, the Cavs, you know, lose a couple games to Detroit or Indiana that, you know, they probably should win, but because they're young and didn't make any drastic moves, they just do lose them. And then they went out and get Donovan Mitchell. Now we think they're a top five team in the East. Probably. Six, six at worst. But, but, but Mike, the fact that we're not even saying like they're six, they, they're the fifth, sixth best team in the East, and they have four all-star level players on their roster. How many all-star level players does do the Pistons have on their roster and, and i think i look at it from this perspective you have to look at the Cavs as kind of being the blueprint in how this organization is going to move forward yeah you have to get your homegrown talent you need to get those draft picks and build them up and have them succeed but but the only way i see this pistons team making the next step really into title contention it's gonna have to come with them making a move for another all-star level player at some point down the line. I, I just don't see sure. how they can do it without it. And unless of course, Sadiq Bay takes some sort of insane leap that we're not expecting, or they go out next year and they get another ready-made all-star player. But even then, even if they have three all-star level players on their roster, the Cavs have four. So you can't get attached, I think, if you're a Pistons fan. This needs to be like an exercise in why you cannot get attached to your young guys too much. Why you can't see them and be like, this has to be the future. Sadiq Bey has to be on this team for the next five years. That's not necessarily how you're going to catapult yourself into title contention. I think Pistons fans need to look at this and say, okay, this is the blueprint. Yeah, we got to develop our young guys, but there's going to have have to be moves that are made in order to move this franchise to the next level. And you need to start putting yourself into that mentality right now, because it's probably going to happen next off season when Detroit has cap space, when they have young players whose contracts are coming up, um, you know, to be extended, uh, to be, um, uh, you know, re-signed, whatever it may be, how much money is going to be involved in there. And just like Colin Sexton, if the Pistons aren't comfortable with paying somebody like Sadiq Bey or Isaiah Stewart that kind of money, well, guess what? They're going to have to figure out a way to move those guys for assets. And the move is going to have to probably be, if you're interested in being a real team in this division, in this conference, 
It's going to be one of those young guys, two of those young guys, draft picks for an all-star level player. That's your path forward. And I think Pistons fans need to start reconciling themselves with that right now. I'm curious who that next all-star is going to be that gets traded because you do have to start thinking about that if you're Detroit because that very much seems like the path to contention nowadays in the NBA. You know, unless you're a big market team that can go out and sign these players, you've got to be able to swing a trade. We just saw it with Cleveland. And and to be fair, they're they're building the right way. Like they built through the draft and then made the move. You saw it in Minnesota, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards. Then they go get Rudy Gobert. Like that is what looks to be the next trend in, in building a contender. And if we're talking about Detroit being in that position next year to where they're going to start moving assets to try to go get that name, I'm very curious a year from now, who is that name? Like, mm. is it Shea Gilgis Alexander? Yeah. Yeah, that's that was the guy I was – it's funny you say that, Aaron, because that was the first name that popped into my head when you brought that up was SGA. Because Oklahoma City doesn't own every draft pick in the NBA yet, so obviously they're not done. Right. Um, but, yeah, uh, no, and, and you know what? I think you also bring up a good point because it's like, look, when we were talking about this last year, was there any inkling that, that Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert would both be gone? I mean, the the the, the Jazz won 60 games. Right. They were and now they're, probably, they, they blew probably, it up. Probably not because they. I mean, he still is under contract for three more years. So you'd probably think, well, he's not going anywhere. He still has you know, at least probably a year and a half before the trade talk heats up and then boom. Rudy Gobert's gone, and you think, well, Donovan Mitchell's not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's like – oh, sorry, Aaron, please. I was just going to say, I, you, you have to start thinking, who who could those guys be? Because it's not clear right now, but as you just mentioned, nobody thought a year ago that Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell wouldn't be members of the Utah Jazz in 12 months, and they're both gone. Who 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 could those guys be? I mean – a name that comes to my mind is we we know things are shaky in Phoenix. We 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 just saw the whole DeAndre Ayton saga play out. Chris Paul can't be playing forever. What if it breaks down again this year in Phoenix and, and Devin Booker becomes available? Like, are Pistons fans gonna be crying and, and, and want to destroy their fandom with the team because the Pistons trade Jaden Ivey and who 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 knows what else to get Devin Booker? I mean, it is a very viable path and Cleveland has set themselves up to be very good for a very long time. Minnesota Mm -hmm. has now done the same and they've also drafted. Well, the Pistons have to do that part first before they can then go acquire that name. They have to draft and develop before they can go acquire this, that, that secondary star. And I think they're doing the first part. Well, they're drafting pretty well. This year's a big year for development. And then next year, with all the cap space and all the lottery and all the draft picks that they have, they they should be able to make that type of play. I'm curious who it will be, and I'm curious how the fans will react to when the Pistons start trying to make that type of move. I think it'll also be interesting to see what type of player they go after because, and I think that's another thing when it comes to the Donovan Mitchell situation that you can't neglect is that he is still really young. And those are the type of guys that used to never get traded. I mean, you're you're 26, you're under contract for the next three years. Guess what, buddy? You're staying in Utah. No more. And you're totally right, Aaron. Somebody like Devin Booker could be on the move. Uh, but do they go for a Devin Booker or do they go for somebody that's more established? Like you said, the Phoenix situation is shaky, but there's other shaky situations. Even in the East, I look at the Sixers, I look at the Nets, Obviously, that is a very shaky situation. Uh, And there's players on those teams that if they don't win the title, very, very easily are going to be on that trade block next year. I think that there could be potentially the Pistons. I I don't want to say pick of the litter, but I think the Pistons could be in a position next year going into free agency where there's teams that are going to want to have cap space. There's teams that are going to want to have flexibility. There's teams that are going to want to blow it up and are going to be looking to offload Older guys, 
and potentially younger guys. And I'm interested to see which direction the Pistons go in. They have such a young core. So does it necessarily make sense for them to bring in another young star or does it make more sense for them to pair Cade and Ivy and perhaps whoever next year's draft pick is with a more established player like a Kevin Durant, like a, I mean, I mean, really it, it could be anyone in today's NBA. So I guess for me, my question to both of you is what is the kind of player if they do become available that you'd like to see the Pistons go after next year if they do decide to make that move in 2023 i've said multiple times devin booker does it's his it's his destiny to be a detroit piston (laughs) destiny to end up with the detroit piston so if things go wrong in phoenix the Pistons should push all their assets to the table to acquire devin booker um but honestly, that's the thing. Like, I, I don't know who else it could be because it it we we never seem to know anymore who the next star is to get traded. It just, like, happens out of the blue. Like, the guy just decides one day, all right, I'm sitting until you trade me. I won't show up to camp. I won't show up to the team until you trade me. And then a team's hand is forced. You know, it might take a couple weeks. But at this point, if a guy says he's done, then the guy's done. Of course, unless you're Kevin Durant in Brooklyn. Um but other than that, if a guy wants out, a guy's going to get out. So I'm curious. I think it might take next season for us to know what team had a bad year, what player had a bad year, uh, didn't get what he wanted, and decides he wants out of the situation he's in. And I, I think what makes it more interesting is something that I mentioned earlier, the parity across the league. I think so many more teams are set to be competitive that it might be a, even a little bit more hard to tell what guy's going to want out because there's so many teams that have already made these moves to acquire these all-stars to push their chips to the table to try to compete. Like there's a smaller list of teams that I think could be on the verge of losing a guy compared to what there was five years ago. Like I feels like everyone wanted to be traded five years ago. Now I think with more teams – getting more competitive, it gets a little bit harder to tell. So I think it's going to take next season for us to know this guy, we're hearing the rumblings now, it's been another bad year, you know, now he wants out and then the Pistons have to be ready. They have to determine, look, we have the assets. This is the guy we want. We have the money. Let's go make it happen. I don't think it's realistic to expect them to build solely through the draft unless they're do, you know, unless they do it, what OKC is doing and what Utah is trying to do. And they have half of the first round picks for the next five years. So I think a move, a big move is going to have to come at some point. I just don't know who it's going to be yet. I'll I'll throw one other team that people, I think just don't talk about and a player that I think people don't really think about when they think best players in the NBA. I think Brandon Ingram uh, from the new Orleans Pelicans is a guy that absolutely after next year could say, hey, this ain't working. I need something else. And I think he would fit a really big need for Detroit um, on the wings. That is a player that I could absolutely see. I am saying, like, if you can sign and trade Sadiq Bey and a couple of first-round picks and maybe some, you know, another young player uh, for Brandon Ingram, I think that that is a trade package that the Pelicans – would absolutely be willing to consider. I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, that, that to me, is a player in a situation that I could see absolutely working with the Pistons' timeline. I think both of those are good. Those are, those are nice options. And those are two teams that have, I think, a little bit of pressure this year. The Suns definitely do uh, after the way their season ended. And the Pelicans, you know, it's weird to think they have pressure because we haven't actually seen them all healthy and together. But I think having Zion out for so long and the team still making the playoffs, I think now the expectations are raised a little bit more there as well because they've been building, 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 building. And now this will be the first year where we get to see them sort of at full strength. But Brandon Ingram has been there for a little while and he might look at the situation and think, 
geez, it's not going according to plan or Zion gets hurt again. It's like, well, maybe I just need a fresh start somewhere else. I think those are both good options. I was thinking of Brandon Ingram uh, as well, Jasper. And really, I I mean, any, anybody should be on the table other than point guard, honestly. I mean, or, I mean, yeah, probably point guard, because if that's what Katie is going to be playing, then you're, you don't have to worry about that. I mean, you can look at a center. Not that Joel Embiid would ever become available, I don't think. But, I mean, that's a that's a really interesting Philadelphia 76ers team as well with a lot of pressure um, that they need to win quickly. And a lot of people have them coming out of the East. But that's a team with a, not, with a lot of mounting pressure as well. Um, but it's tough to tell. I mean, we, we have to see how the season evolves and what teams start slow or, you know, get impacted by injuries. And those those are the ones that are then at risk of – losing one of their top end players or, or, you know, the Pistons could pick off one of their stars because of all the cap space that they have. But I don't think that they're necessarily even there this upcoming off season. It could be next off season as well. This was a consolidation move by the Cavs. You know, they've been bad for a while. Colin Sexton was the tank commander for the first two seasons after James left. He's going to be the tank commander in Utah again. Um, and he's an excellent tank commander. He is at least fun on cold January and February nights. But this was a consolidation move. You know, they uh, they have the talent. Getting Evan Mobley really, really saved them. Um, and Evan Mobley could be the best of the big four in like two years. He's got all of the tools to be maybe the best player. And he hasn't even made an all-star game yet. He's an all defensive, absolute scariest capable player every year. That is the absolute scariest thing about them is that Evan Mobley could end up being the best guy, and it wouldn't shock me whatsoever. Oh no, not not at all. I mean, I've said it. I've said it for two years now. I thought Evan Mobley, if it wasn't for Cade Cunningham, should have been the number one overall pick last year. He's that good. He's that legit, especially on the defensive end. And man, now you're talking him, Jared Allen you can make up for a lot of the deficiencies defensively in that backcourt now that you have, you know, two smaller guys in Mitchell and Garland, two guys that aren't exactly lockdown defenders by any means. Um, you have such a stick front court, and you still have, you know, Okoro uh, on the wing, who's a really good defender as well. So they can make up for a lot of their deficiencies. I just feel bad for Colin Sexton, man. Drafted to Cleveland, shipped off to Utah. Where are they sending them next? Siberia? The bottom of the marinara trench. If you ask um, Vernon Maxwell, it doesn't get worse than Utah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good point. Oh, poor guy. Um, but yeah, <laughs> seriously, it's it's crazy to think how far the Cavs have come in just two years. And I think if you're a Pistons fan, you have to look at it from that perspective of this situation can change very quickly. If we start putting these wins together, you're right. You're, I think you're right, Mike. It might not happen next offseason, but it might happen the offseason after that when they say, hey, you know, we've got three top five picks from the last three draft classes. It's We're starting to make some moves here. It's time for us to consolidate the rest of the team around those three guys and make that next leap. So, um, yeah, it might not happen this season. It might not happen all, next season. But I certainly think, and I'm – I feel like we're all in agreement here. There is going to have, there's going to be some big trade that's going to go down with the Pistons um, where they're going to give up assets for an all-star in the future. I just, I have a hard time seeing how they can take that next leap without doing something like that. So that that's kind of where I am on the Donovan Mitchell stuff. I think if you're a Pistons fan, um, you know, it's worrisome for the future. I don't think it really changes much this year in terms of like, you weren't making the playoffs anyway. And I think this, if anything, like Cleveland was already ahead of you. So this changes really nothing for where you're going to be in these standings, but it definitely does give you a little bit of pause for the future. Cause now you have at least two title contending teams um, in your division in both Cleveland and Milwaukee and shoot, we'll see what happens with Chicago too. You know, yeah, they were disappointing towards the end of last season, but they're still a very, very solid team um, with some really good young players. So they're going to have to blow that up eventually. Maybe they 
take that kind of dive as the Pistons move up. But for at least the next as the teams that you're going to have to struggle to get by for eight games every single year and probably in the playoffs too. So you got to look at it from that perspective. It's not going to be enough to just build up your young guys. You're going to need to go out there and get the player that can bring it all together and catapult you into that next level. Yep. I think you pretty much succinctly put it all in a nice, neat package with a bow. Um, but the consolidation move will come, and you know it's already going to be an offseason of difficult decisions. Uh, but you know, seeing a team like Cleveland go through the ringer of bad and come out the other end with some talented players and a stud that they were able to acquire does give some hope as well that you know the Pistons will make all of this losing a little bit more worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the next two, maybe three years at the worst. And the last, Aaron, do you have any closing thoughts? Oh, I'm sorry, Jasper. No, I, the last thing I was going to just say on that was also I think it should be a a lesson that you're not going to have to necessarily give up one of your top three guys in order to go out and get that guy. So, you know, maybe don't be like, oh, well, we're going to have to trade away Ivy. We're going to have to trade away so-and-so. That's not necessarily the case. You might be able to move some, you know, draft picks down the line and some really solid role players that put up good production like Colin Sexton um, and get that third star. So don't think of it as like a, ah, oh no, we're going to have to move all these guys I love. Like you can get that third guy and you don't have to break the bank to do it. Yeah, I I do agree with that as well. I I think Cleveland got that done without having to give up Jarrett Allen, which I guess was the name that, you know, as soon as that trade came out, we were like, oh, it's got to be Jarrett Allen because I'm sure it wasn't Garland or, or Mobley. And they were able to get it done with, you know, some side pieces and, and some draft picks. So that's a, uh, it's, it's, it's possible. And if there's one thing we know about Troy Weaver is that he tends to do a good job when it comes to making trades. So I, I fully anticipate Detroit making a move uh, somewhat soon, you know, by next off season in terms of really trying to push the table, the chips uh, to the table to compete. And I expect Troy Weaver to be aggressive when it comes to getting that guy. Still don't know who it is. Part of me believes it will be Devin Booker. I hope that's right so I can just give myself a whole lot of praise when the move happens for being <laughs> so right and so plugged into the team. Mm-hmm. I will patiently sit back and wait until that day comes. Getting it done with side pieces the cleveland cleveland cavalier slash larsa pippen story and that's all i got for today folks and it comes all the way back to the beginning that's called a callback Uh, that's called a callback those are hard that is a callback and they are difficult um in a similar vein to aaron and i talk about mitch mcgarry there we go wove (laughs) that one in in at the last possible (laughs) second um yes that's a callback and that's a good way to end this edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast covered a lot. Guys, did you know that uh, media days in like uh, three weeks? Wow. Maybe less. I, I got the calendar notification for the Cavs are having media day on the 26th of September. Yeah. It's coming fast. We we always it's say this. quick. It's, it's coming really, really quickly, guys. Oh, I want to say one last thing. I want to plug um, Aaron put out a, Awesome short little video on the Pistons top five games to look for in this next off season. Uh, really enjoyable. Check it out on our YouTube channel. Uh, one, I definitely agree. I'm certainly looking forward to that, that return of Jeremy Grant game. Um, so I definitely, all our listeners, readers, whatever, go check that out. Uh, it's very short, but it's really good. And I just, I love that you put that out there, Aaron. I, I just thought it was great. So I want to give you a little plug on Heck that. Yeah. One. Appreciate you. Excellent. Well, I, I yeah. had to do something after after pushing back our, our fantasy football draft <laughs> by an hour. So, oh yeah, I have to give my mea culpa. To, yes, as well. I pushed back our fantasy draft. There are tears in my eyes right now. Um, so I'm I'm signing off for today. I'm gonna go cry 
about how much I've hurt my friends. So I, I, I do apologize yeah. to, to everybody in that family. Let it be known that his fantasy football team is called Carrying the Podcast. <laughs> yeah. <No. laughs> yeah, I'm facing Aaron week one. I decided to stir the pot a little bit. We're stirring the pot a little bit. I did not um, know that. Oh, he's now. Yeah, so he's uh, a lot more crying, but he's also laughing at his podcast name. <laughs> eh. Yeah, tears, tears of um, yeah, I'm laughing because I'm so sad. Let's say it's that. Yeah. Okay. The la- <laughs> the pain has gone all the way back around to laughing. Sometimes that's that right. Happens. Much like Scottie Pippen with his wife Larsa. And okay, and two callbacks, and now we have to end <laughs> the podcast. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. Let's thank our sponsor, Bet Online, as always. And uh, yeah, we have some Pistons talk. Uh, going to be ramping up in the next couple of weeks here. We'll have some previews available on palacepistons.com coming soon as we prepare for the season. And we hope that you will be joining us along the way. So for my co-host, Jasper Apollonia, Aaron Johnson, I am Mike Angolano. Thank you so much for joining us on this edition of the Palace Pistons Podcast. We will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.